I'm your host, Sarita, along with my co-host, Dr. Sylvia Shipman. Welcome to a Burning Love Moment podcast. We will discuss topics associated with drug abuse and addiction, as well as assist individuals struggling with everyday life issues. This podcast is about helping you move from a place of shame and embarrassment to one of power and boldness through a relationship with God. Get ready to be equipped and empowered to take back control over your destiny. Welcome to a Burning Love Moments. joining us. It is a pleasure to be back with you. My co-host, Dr. Shipman, and I, we are excited because this is a new year and a new season for a Burning Love Moment podcast. We thank God for the opportunity to come across the airways once again to bless his people. Now, listen, we are in season three now of A Burning Love Moment, and we have several guests lined up to share about their issues with drug addictions, with homosexual lifestyles, and mental illnesses. Now, not only would they share about the awful experiences that they encountered, you will also hear how God actually stepped in right on time and delivered them from the strongholds on their lives. So please do not miss an episode of season three because it is going to be sizzling hot. And when when our guests come on and they open up and they become transparent about their addictions or about the difficulties that they experience in life, you know what? It is to give you hope and to let you know what God did for them he can do for you and that your life can and will turn around if that's what you desire. And our goal is for you to be blessed, for you to be inspired. So we want you to go tell your family, your friends about the podcast, text them, send them an email, FaceTime them and tell them to tune in to a burning love moment on life101radio.net. We are here on Mondays at 10 a.m. because this season is going to be on fire because we have some people ready um, to just deep dive into their stories and let us know about their mess and how God actually turned their mess into a message. So we're looking forward to helping you or someone that you know to get their life back on track. Absolutely. I am so excited. Greetings, everyone. We miss you all. We hope that you are ready for what God has in store. As uh, Pastor Sarita said, this is going to be a fiery, sizzling uh, season, and I'm excited to be here, and I know you are too, because we miss you all so, uh, so dearly, and now we are ready to get our 
business of the Lord. Ready? So we're not going to further ado. This is going to be an unforgettable uh, season. So you will certainly be blessed. Hallelujah. So instead of all that, let us just move over on to our disclaimer so we can bring our amazing guests uh, to you all. Hallelujah. This Our disclaimer is we are not psychiatrists or psychologists. We are licensed ministers on a mandate from God Almighty to bless his people. How about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let us go into a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this amazing platform of Life 101 Radio and all of their wonderful listeners, Lord God. We praise you that this platform is ordained of you and we praise you for the opportunity that you have brought us for for such a time as this in season three to bless your people in an amazing way, Lord God. The lives will be changed. Healing will take place. Restoration and families will take place, Lord God. Miracles signs and wonders shall take place. So we we magnify your holy name for you are Lord of Lords and you are King of Kings. So have your way. Thank you for filling uh, all of our listeners with the words that need to be said. Lord God, even our, our wonderful um, uh, uh, guest today, Lord God, that you use him in a way that he'd never been used before, Lord God, that will bless your people. And we praise you yes, that you will orchestrate everything that need to take place on these, uh, on these platforms that you have, Pastor Sarita and I, that you will fill our mouth up and that you will use us for your glory as well as everyone affiliated with Life 101 Radio that the blessing resides upon this entire broadcast. We love you and we thank you for the works that you're doing through us all. To God, to you, Lord God Almighty, be glorified. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, um, Dr. Shipman, for that beautiful, beautiful prayer. And everyone, we know that February is Black History Month which is a time when we recognize the history and the achievements and influences of the Black community. Now, it's a time to emphasize supporting Black-owned and operated businesses as well. And today, um, we know that Black History Month, it is celebrated not only just in the U.S., it's celebrated in other countries around the world, including Canada, and also in the U.K. And I actually found out that in the U.K., it it is celebrated during the month of October. Mm-hmm. So we just want you to remember to uplift Black creators, businesses, and advocate for um, equality and change in our communities. And also, let's continue to educate and acknowledge our ancestors, not only just in February, but all year long. Rightfully said, Pastor Sarita, God Almighty has brought us from the back to the front. Praise God. History is being made before our eyes in every integral area of society from Mm -hmm. governing the country, states, cities, sports, life enforcement, and and soon to be the first Black woman for the Supreme Justice. That's just to mention a few. We are so excited. So as you said, Pastor Sarita, every day we have so much to be thankful for and not just this being uh, Black History Month, but we have such a historical uh, event taking place in our lives every day as God is moving miraculous in the lives of Black folks. Every Mm -hmm. individual matters, we want you to know. It's Mm -hmm. what you decide to do with your life. Our Mm -hmm. guest we have with us today decided to turn his mess into a message which brings healing to those lives that's bringing healing to those living the life he once did and administering hope 
where life seems so in despair. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. He's a part of our Black History Hall of Fame. fame. That's impacting lives globally. So I wanna repeat that again. He's a part of our Black History Hall of Fame that's impacting lives globally. So as we said, every life matter is what you decide to do with your life to make that historical impact globally. Lord. So stay tuned. We coming back with our sizzling a guest for today. Stay tuned, we'll be right back for our standing guest. For the best custom made jewelry that showcases style and elegance, check out Ken's Jewelry at Morningside Avenue, Scarborough, Ontario. We specialize in modern, contemporary, and vintage styles. All of our designs are crafted with passion, using the most exquisite gemstones and diamonds. Jewelry has no boundaries, so if you can think it, we can make it. Check out Ken's Jewelry at Morningside Avenue, Scarborough. Call us at 416-293-7181. That's 416-293-7181. Ken's Jewelry. Do you suffer with addiction issues? Do you want to stop it for good? and get your life back on track. Burning Love Outreach Ministry is here to help you. Founder and President Ms. Sarita Jones shares her powerful jaw-dropping testimony about her personal experience of being addicted to crack cocaine and having numerous wants issued for her arrest. She does it out loud and personal where you will not have to suffer in silence. Please visit her website at burningloveoutreach.org. You can comment on the page. You can submit your prayer requests. You can give your testimony. You can reach us also on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to the YouTube page and LinkedIn as well. You are not alone. Don't you give up and don't you give in. And please don't you give out. Burning Love is here to help you. Burning Love Moment. Welcome back, everyone. We are ready to deep dive into the life of our special guest. One thing I want to make clear to everyone, it doesn't matter how successful you are or how large you're living. Addiction does not discriminate. I want you to know it will take down the best man or woman. It will take you down a deep, dark road. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your age is. If it can destroy your life, it will. Sometimes, you know, we have that, that notion. We think that we're untouchable uh, and we can experiment with drugs or, you know what, some of us have that mentality that, mm -hmm. It won't bother me. You know what? I can I can just try a little bit and think that you can remain the same. Uh -huh. I want you to know you are deceiving yourself if That's you right. have that type of mentality. If you think that you can experiment with drugs and remain the same, that is a lie. If yeah. you if you dip and dab into drugs, and I'm going to tell you, especially crack cocaine, you run a high risk that you will become addicted. And if you know someone who should be listening to this podcast today, please tell them about a burning love moment on life101radio.net. 
this incredible man had what many wish they did. He too could have been like many others that didn't make it to tell his story. However, successful in the military he was, his six high six-figure corporate job he had, wife and son, and living a prosperous life. I know you know someone like that, right? The rest mm -hmm. is history. So this amazing vessel that we have, God Almighty Son, that is here with us today, without further ado, help us welcome Elder H. Adam to our amazing blessed form on this day. Help us welcome him. Good morning, good morning. So happy to be with you. Um, just so excited to be here because I think it's so important for us to share our stories. I believe that the Lord allows us to go through the storms, through the valley of the shadow of death, so that it can come out by his deliverance and his power yes. and tell somebody else. Because I believe that as the scripture says in Revelation 12, 11, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb That's and right. the word of our testimony. So I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited, uh, and um, I'm just I'm just happy. Thank you so okay. much Thank for you. joining us. Yes, and, and we're we're just as excited and happy, Elder Adams, to have you on our platform on the Burning Love Moment. And we're just gonna let the listeners know what journey you travel with drug addiction. So we know that you you um, came from a, a single family home. You did have a mother and father. Um, and we know that you were an athlete. You were very well known in your community. You graduated from high school. You went into the United States Army. And while in the military, um, that's where you did a lot of your drinking. You were dipping and dabbing in drugs. But give us a little bit of, of what you were experimenting with at that time while you were in the military. Started drinking, uh, first of all, prior to going into the military, I had not had any extensive relationship with alcohol or drugs, none, none whatsoever with drugs. Um, may have had one beer in the first 12 years um, of my life, uh, at high school time, that is. But uh, in the military, you know, you first time away from home, nobody looking over your shoulder, nobody knows who you are. Um, all of the guys generally would go to the nearest city and uh, have fun, let go. After all that work that we put in and training. And uh, every weekend uh, we were, I was actually at uh, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia for the basic training. And then I went to Fort Hood, Texas. So in both of those locations, yes, every weekend, sometimes every day, Mm -hmm. uh, would indulge in uh, alcohol, beer, and wine, and then graduated to hard liquor. So at, so at this point, you didn't recognize that it was a problem at this point. You were just doing what you thought everybody else was doing. Is that what you're telling us? I was a social drinker, like, okay. like everyone else starts out. I was a social drinker. I mean, I didn't, I, I wasn't uh, uh, recklessly drinking. You know, it was either in a club environment, uh, most of the time it was the con nerves. First time away from home, uh, looking at all the beautiful women in different locations, 
So it was just uh, to calm my nerves and give me the courage to, to approach some of those beautiful women. So at this but, time, you uh, wasn't even, at this time, you wasn't married yet. Is that what you're saying? No, no. This is, I was 19 years old, 18, okay. 19 years old, first time away from home, first real job. And, you know, so it was just something that goes along. And uh, I know some people uh, might say not for every soldier. It's true. However, for most of the soldiers that I encountered, we all found a you know, a, a location uh, and and enjoy our weekends uh, with alcohol. Yes. Yeah. So while you were in the military, you met this woman mm-hmm. who actually graduated from Grambling State University. You were very mm-hmm. um, taken by her, and because of her, she introducing you to Grambling State University, you ended up going there as well. Correct. Absolutely. I was stationed in Hawaii at the time, and I saw a, a very, there were very few Black officers in 1977, but I did see a beautiful woman who happened to be a Black officer. And uh, when I uh, inquired as to how did she become an officer, she told me she attended college at Grambling State University in Louisiana. Now, mind you, we're on the island of Oahu. I didn't know anything about Grambling. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, because the, coming from Florida, all we heard about was Florida A&M and Emma Bethune. Mm-hmm. But um, I uh, probed a little more, and she told me how to go ahead and apply. And I was so moved by her story, by her image as a female black officer, uh, until I went back to my barracks that night, went online, and I filled out an application to attend Grandma State University. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So so you ended up attending Grambling State University. You were um, one of seven Black officers in the military, correct? Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, made a little history at Grambling. I uh, was the first uh, cadet in the Army ROTC program, the first Corps commander, and the first, and the first uh, one to be commissioned from Grambling uh, into the United States Army. We had Air Force, but we did not have Army. So that was uh, just a tremendous accomplishment at Gremlin. But uh, to your question, uh, yes, there were only seven of us. We were, after finishing our Office of Basic course, we ended up, uh, my first duty assignment was at Fort Lewis, Washington. Mm-hmm. And at the time, this was in 1982, mm-hmm. there were seven Black officers on the largest military base in the United States, which was a huge place, seven of us. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, you um, were you married at this point? If not, you can pick us up when you got married and tell us about that amazing part of your story with your family and take us on that journey. No, I was not married. I was a player, player, player back then. <laughs> no, uh, actually, during my tour of uh, uh, six years, I was not married, uh, moved around a lot, uh, involved in a lot of relationships, met a lot of beautiful people, beautiful ladies, and um, just uh, wanted to get through uh, the journey. The military at the time wasn't what I thought it was from an officer perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, so after six years, I decided to go into corporate America. 
So, uh, no, I was not married then. I just uh, had a lot of uh, relationships. Okay. okay. So you, we know you were living large at that time. You were doing yeah. very well for yourself. You were in Dallas um, working for a very, very well-known company. We know eventually you got married and you had a son. Mm-hmm. And I want you to pick up from here. Um, the marriage ended. Your wife left. She took your son. I want you to pick us up from here and what was going on in your life. At that time, I crashed. Uh, I became very, very, de- uh, very, very depressed. Um, I thought that, uh, which that being my first marriage, I thought that uh, things would go well. Uh, I felt I put in the work. We put in the work. But uh, we still had some problems, like mm-hmm. most people in marriages. But yeah. uh, things got rather tough from the social side, uh, family involvement, her family, not mine, because we were more closer to her family than than a family. Uh, of course, we were living in Dallas. And um, when she became angry about something, she left. Mm-hmm. And I became depressed. Now, I was a social drinker then, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I thought. But uh, that drinking, as I look back, was every day after work, every day with the fellas, you know. Uh, So I became depressed and I took a leave of absence to go look for my son because she went home, came back without my son. Now, mind you, this was my first child, my first son, Mm -hmm. and we were spending a lot of time together in his, you know, infant days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I became a little, a, a lot depressed and depression set in and, um, she was in mind uh, using that as a weapon against me mm-hmm. in terms of trying to, um, uh, persuade me to be something that she wanted me to be. And I did not want to be at that time, you know, a certain type of husband she was looking for didn't yeah. turn out that, but, uh, I went looking for my son, took a leave of absence, went to Monroe, Louisiana, looking for my son, who um, no one would tell me where he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started drinking heavily at the time and had started experimenting with uh, marijuana and cocaine. And my life began to spiral out of control. Okay. So you, I, I would say, to say the least, you were heartbroken, you know, at the fact that your wife left, took your son, you couldn't find him. Now we know that you had a very good job. You were working and, you know, you were close to your bosses and you needed some time to yourself, right? So you went to them to ask for time. I did. I, w- I went to uh, my manager, one of my managers, and I was a mid-level manager at the time. Uh, but when I went and uh, let them know that I had some difficulty and I felt I could trust them to tell them that, to tell him that, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, I need to take a little time off and I was having some personal problems. And what he told me shocked me. And to this day, it is shocking to me uh, when I hear people talk about that experience as well. Mm-hmm. And my boss responded uh, in a way I could have never imagined. He said, uh, Bill, we already know about your problems. And when I asked him, what, what do you mean you already know about my problems? He said, your wife has been calling us, telling us uh, that 
she wasn't being treated right or fairly by you. Hmm. And I was shocked and heartbroken because at the time, uh, racial issues were heightened and this, a lot of race relations was on the, I mean, they're low now, but it was real low at that time, but not in some places, not even existence. Right. And I, um, I, I, I fell apart. I, I just could not believe that, that someone that I trusted, that I had confidence in, that I married would betray, I saw it as a betrayal mm-hmm. to, she know that the relationship at, at, at my job at the time, Texas Instruments, there were very few blacks in management. There were very few, a lot of black uh, laborers, but not managers. And I happened to be fortunate to be one of the black managers, but I did, I mean, our relationship was good at work, but it was always strained because of race relations. Yes. And for her to, and she knew how I, how I felt being in the community, being, I would say, on the front line of a lot of issues that we were dealing in the community in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I just could not believe that this woman would go behind my back and go to my managers, who happened to be all white men, mm-hmm. and disclose personal information about my home life and our relationship to them that to me was the ultimate form of betrayal and to this day when i hear people talk about it happening to them Mm -hmm. i I can i can see the same pain on their face It, it was just talking about it is painful to know that somebody you love somebody that you were taking care of, no matter what the problems were at home. Uh, I, you could have talked to anybody, but to talk to my managers, and not, not just my managers, let me keep it 100 with you, to talk to white men, uh, white men who I know didn't really care, felt in my heart, didn't really care about me enough to even tell me. Yeah. They never came to me and approached me, and they said that she had been calling for a while. It was just unacceptable to me. So, okay. so what happened after you you took that hardcore um, knowledge at that point? How did you? What, how, yeah, how did you deal with it? Alcohol and drugs. <laughs> okay, so I went and got me a fit. I had to have a drink. I went and got me a drink, and uh, I went and I went and got me a a, a, a female a prostitute. And uh, I tried to drown myself in alcohol. Uh-huh. I, w- I was by myself in my home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to the strip. I found me a brick house stacked up like condominiums. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, she was, she was all that. <laughs> and uh, picked her up and she asked me on the way back. And she was very nice, very respectful. She asked me on the way back if I would stop by and pick up, uh, give her some money to pick up something uh, uh, for her. And I said, yeah, of course. Now, here it is. You giving somebody a a $100 bill, $50 bill, and you just met them. um, Shouldn't, you know, today would bring pause. (laughs) Because today you'd be thinking, oh, no, we're we living in some different times today. They, for $10, people will run off. 
And I gave her the money, pulled up in front, and I had it like that. So it wasn't a big deal. If she left, she left. But I pulled up at this place where she directed me to because I knew nothing about dope houses. I knew nothing about personal experience about dope, purchasing dope, buying dope, even though I had heard about it and uh, and in the media and through personal friends. Right. But but I uh, pulled up and she came back with this white ball. And I'm like, okay, well, what is that? She said, you'll see. And um, when we got back to the house and she broke that ball out and, and you know, this glass long tube and, and this uh, steel wool, you know, like you use to clean pots, a pot scraper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We found that was Brillo. <laughs> At the time, I was like, I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Started burning it with the lighter. And she put a little piece of that in the stem and Lord Hammer. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> so the white ball for yeah. everyone that's listening, if you don't know what that white ball was, that white ball was crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. It was. At the okay. time I had no knowledge of what it was, had never tried it in my life. I was in my early 30s. Uh, and I was like, okay. And let me tell you, uh, the way that the way that moved her when she blew out that smoke. Lord Evers, I had to try it. And, uh, and I mean, um, we parted. We, we parted like I had never parted before. Like I couldn't even make up dreams like that, man. I mean, it was, it was on. And I can, I can honestly say that was the best party I ever had. (laughs) And and you know what, that's something we want to point out. Um, and, and myself, I was addicted to crack cocaine and, I remember smoking crack cocaine, being so high out of my mind, thinking, you know what, I I should be doing this all day, every day. This is all I need to be doing is smoking crack cocaine and not realizing that it is destroying me, that it's taking me to a place that I really and truly don't want to go. But tell us what happened um, your first encounter. I remember you sharing with us how long you guys stayed stayed in in your house in your place that day smoking. We all night, all day, a, a week out, a, a week out, two out. We were every day, all day, twenty four hours a day. The only time uh, I left was to go get some more dope, mm-hmm. and uh, and then at at some point when they saw that we were that I was a regular, then of course they were delivering at the time, but uh, we did not leave. Uh, I mean, it was, it was 24 yes. seven. And let me, and let me tell you, uh, <clears throat> we, we, we came up for air. That was it. You know, uh, we didn't eat, we didn't sleep. And you might say, those who are listening might say, well, it's impossible. Well, not with crack cocaine. That's methamphetamines, right. those drugs, because those drugs are uppers and they will keep you up yep. uh, as long as you are using. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no idea what I was in for. Uh, again, I had been uh, in professional jobs. I had not had that type of experience. So it, and I didn't really think about it because I was high. I mean, I was on a euphoria that I couldn't even imagine. I was, you hear people talking about the enterprise. I was on the enterprise. Yes, yes. And I was flying high. And and you know what? What we want people to understand is when they have a loved one or anyone that you know that is addicted to drugs, 
that person is like having an out-of-body experience. That's not the person that you really know. And that individual really and truly needs help. But I know families and friends, they grow tired. They get tired of seeing their loved ones abusing um, their drugs and things. And um, it's it's just one of those things that take you to a place that you really don't want to go. So, yes, you were on, on a roller coaster. And um, so now what started happening to you after you started using drugs? Well, before I, before I go there, I want to say, I want to piggyback on something you just said. Okay. You know, oftentimes when we see our fam- a family member or a friend or you drive down the street and you see someone that you know is acting kind of and probably on drugs, listen, they don't even realize that they're in another dimension in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, even family members, because t- to this day, my mother... Uh, who happens to be 92 years old. And, and we sit back and laugh about some of the things I used to do. But even then, all, all she could tell me was she knew that wasn't her son. Mm-hmm. You know, she, it, it looked like her son, yeah. but it, that, that is, a, as I describe it today, a demonic stronghold. You're in a, that person is in another dimension. They don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand. They, they were casually tried it just to see what it felt like, mm-hmm. just being in a, in a certain crowd and wanting to fit in. And they had no idea that it was gonna open up another dimension in their life. So when you see that happening, mm-hmm. don't curse the person, pray mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. you know, protect yourself, but pray for them and understand that they are addicted. They are in another dimension of life and it opens up another window that would take you further than you could ever imagine. But I started getting arrested. I started, one of the things about me, I wasn't raised in the street, so I didn't know certain protocol, if you will, uh, when you go into certain neighborhoods, you know, there's a code here and there's a code there. I don't care what part, what part of the country you're in, every community has a code and a protocol, especially Uh when you go and talk about uh, purchasing drugs. And uh, I would go into dope traps. I, look, I had never had an encounter with the police uh, for 30 years of my life. So I didn't know, you know, that stop me, stop, or that they were watching you and all these kind of things. But I started getting arrest, arrested. And um, uh, my first arrest, of course, and, and I, I got to stress this point. Every arrest that I had, every arrest that I had was drug related mm. in some way either directly or indirectly drug related. And prior to that, I had never had any encounter uh, or had a desire to, you know, to that I would be arrested or go to jail and those kinds of things. But it's part of the course when one is involved in uh, any addiction. But I got arrested. I got yep. arrested. Uh, my first arrest was in 1990, uh, going to buy some dope. Yeah. Some, marijuana and I didn't know anything about the police selling dope reverse stains but I got caught in a reverse stain in June of 1990 and I had uh, an ounce of cocaine in the car yeah so I ended up go ahead I'm sorry I just want to say want people to follow where we have come with you on this journey a very well-known athlete you graduate high school you go into the military you attend Grambling State University you 
come out, you're a second lieutenant um, in, in the U.S. Army. You got it going on. You're working for a very well-known company out in Dallas. You are living large. You got it going on. You have your wife, your son, and, and, and tragedy happens, you know, in, in, in your marriage and drugs took you down the wrong road. And a lot of times people think that a drink or smoking a joint or smoking marijuana or using some crack is going to help you in your problem. That's only going to escalate your problem. Mm -hmm. So we want to definitely point that out. If you're going through a difficult time right now in your life and you think things are bad, please don't pick up the bottle. Don't pick up drugs because that is going to lead you down the wrong road. We're going to ask that you fall on your knees and call out to God because he's the one that's going to lead you on the right direction. But I want you to get to these arrests because here this is an upstanding wow. man started getting arrested. Tell them how many times you got arrested. Well, uh, a total of uh, 55, 53 before spending uh, four years, 10 months, and 11 year, 11 days in prison. And I, even after re being released from prison, I still wasn't finished. Wait a minute. Had... You went to prison? This is yes. a, a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army living large. You mean tell me them drugs and took you to jail and from jail to prison? It took me up 53 times prior 53 to going times. to prison. Lord, five, three, not five, and then three. 53 separate arrests. And and I tell you, I was talking to someone after meeting you, uh, Miss Jones, Pastor Jones. I was talking to someone and I said, I finally met somebody been arrested more than me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 53 separate arrests, all relating uh, to purchasing and buying and using drugs. And I'm not proud of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was a very tough journey. And as I look back on the 53, I realized, you know, God will use whatever he has at his, at his disposal. And he has everything because he's God yeah. to, right. to, to get our attention. And I, I am thankful. And I have come to realize that just like a treatment center, even though jail should be considered as an alternative unless it's necessary, Right. Uh, but I'm telling you, I can see the hand of God in every arrest that I had, because I know there were things that he kept me from that yes. were waiting for me. The, yes. the robberies that occurred, the, the abuse that occurred in the dope traps, the, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the assault that occurred, the drug-induced heart attacks, the drug-induced seizures, yes. all 53 yes. of those arrests were before prison and led me to prison. And I ended up spending, I received a seven year sentence um, in the 1990, but I, it, I was placed on community control. So I was like, like probation sort of, yeah. trick form yeah. of probation. But I kept violating, I had a terrible attitude. Drugs would change the way you perceive things, it would change your outlook. And I'm sure that some of you that have Family members, you can you can testify that their attitude has gotten terrible. That's yes. nasty attitude, just yes. very disrespectful. And that's what drugs would do to you. Mm -hmm. But after 53, I ended up, I got tired of me going back and forth. And, and, and on January the 26th, 
I remember the date. 2005, I ended up at the reception center in Lake Butler uh, on a on seven-year sentence with time served from probation violations. I ended up doing four years, 10 months, and 11 days. Lord, and uh, But it was the most unique experience, even though prison is a very dangerous place. And when I see young people that think prison is a rite of passage, I mm-hmm. have to caution them. Don't let what you see on TV fool you. It's a very right. dangerous place. And uh, so a lot of death, a lot of destruction. But I was able to be a help to guys who couldn't read or write. I was able to help guys and console guys that uh, had received the Dear John letters from their wives. Mm-hmm. I was able to even to help some of the officers that were in charge of us that were going through storms. So God turned that mess into a miracle. Yeah. And I, I can honestly say that the four years, 10 months, and 11 days, uh, I don't regret it at all because it helped me recognize that I had messed up and that God's grace was still on the table yeah. because he was there with me the entire day, the entire time I was in prison. That That is so amazing, uh, Elder Adams. Uh, wow, this is awesome. Well, yeah. listeners, we, hold tight. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back to hear more of this amazing story. Are you tired of struggling with lashes and lash glue? Did you throw your hands in the air and give up? Eyes on Tinky has your solution. You can apply beautiful eyelashes in seconds with liquid fire adhesive pen. Yes, liquid fire adhesive pen. For eyes that would scream, look at me, visit eyesontinkyllc.com for all your eyelash shopping needs. Again, that is eyes, E-Y-E-Z, on Tinky, T-I-N-K-I-E-L-L-C.com. Your one-stop shopping for minks and liquid fire adhesive pens. Let your eyes do the talk. Do you know what it feels like to lose everything, feeling a life of hopelessness? Are you determined and ready to rebuild your life but do not know where to start? Dr. Sylvia Shipman is a life recovery coach and counselor and minister with successful years of experience helping others activate the power of God within them. With her enlightenment and guidance, you will be able to overcome the grip of addiction like never before and begin to reshape your mind and transform your life. For your one-on-one consultation, please visit her website, DrSiviaShipman.com. You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. With your ongoing contributions, this ministry will be able to reach many who are now suffering. Please become a partner with us, changing and shaping lives one mind at a time. This is your jubilee into your new destiny. Visit her today. Burning love moment. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, uh, Elder Adams, I have a question for you. If you can track back a little bit. When you were in your heavy um, uh, acts of your addiction, you had a high six-figure job. Now tell the listeners 
how long it took before you were had exhausted all of that wealth? Well, <clears throat> I had saved, uh, unlike a lot of people I know. I, um, I did not have, uh, was not high maintenance, you know, uh, but what happens when you start indulging in drugs, you start making irresponsible decisions, okay? And uh, I, left my, I left my job in, in, in 1996. And I would say within five years, I had burned well over $100,000 in savings, well mm -hmm. over that. And I, I would say 75 to 80% of that amount was used, was, was uh, related to drug use uh, and the lifestyle that goes along with that. And one thing that happens a lot of time when you see people that have good jobs, uh, doctors, lawyers, or whomever, uh, that have that type of disposable income, you tend to use more drugs because you, you tend to have the resources to go out and purchase more drugs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I burned through a lot of money, a lot of money. I, I can't even begin to give you a, a total of, uh, but I know the time frame was swift, very swift. And not only was uh, the money gone, the resources, the the cars, the clothes, all of the the uh, the things that you had been saving for your kids to pass down to your children, everything of value leaves. You, if it's not nailed down, uh, and if it is, and you can move it nailed down, it's sold. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it, so funny that that you're saying that. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but. It's so funny that, that you're saying that because you exhausted all of your money. Now you had the resources, but for mm -hmm. individuals who smoke and crack cocaine, who don't have the resources, this is where the stealing comes mm -hmm. in. This is where you will go and sell whatever <laughs> you value. Now I want you to tell us because in all of your mess, you ended up having to move back home with your mother. I and did. mother goes away on a trip and leave you at home. Please take us on that journey. Tell our listeners what happened. And those of you who have used drugs like me, you already know what happened, but we want to hear from you. Well, I want to say, first of all, that for those of you who still have your mother with you, try to gain some type of control while she's still there. Yeah. Because I, I learned the value of a mother during my storm. My mother knew I was having some problems. And I really didn't want to go home because oftentimes when people are using drugs, uh, we pull geographical changes. We don't want nobody to know when you get too close, I got to relocate because right. I don't want you to know what I'm really doing. That's so right. I moved home and uh, I called my mom really from Dallas and I said, mom, I need to come home. You know, I'm going through the divorce and all that kind of stuff. And she said, baby, come on home, baby, come on home. Now my mom and I is 92. And I stress that because it's such a blessing and we can laugh and talk about all the mess I did, even yeah. at home. But mama didn't want me in the street. So she put me down in the den. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. You can sleep in the den, okay? And, and get, yourself, get yourself together. Y'all know how moms is, right? Yes. And um, my mom was so proud of me from the accomplishments until she was willing to do anything to help her son get back, you know, his life back as she as she had known and grown accustomed to. Right. Mom decided to go on a cruise. And uh, 
listen, I'm still just barely holding it together. Now, I'm sure mama knew that some days when I was coming in late, I probably was dipping and dabbing, but as far as the family could see, I was still holding it together. <clears throat> and I think in the back of her mind, she didn't want me to get killed out there in the weather, so she'd rather me be home than to die in the streets. Right. So mom went on a cruise, about a uh, one-week cruise, and I think that was her first cruise ever. Mm. And uh, I relapsed at home. I had to, look, I had the whole house by myself. <laughs> so, a house full of furniture and things and appliances. I and had that. the whole house by myself full of nice things. So I, I had a little money, and uh, I exhausted all of my resources. And at the time, I still had was not in the street full force, okay? Right. Uh, so uh, I, I took, that microwave was looking real good. <laughs> it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. Right, right. So I took the microwave and, uh, and uh, pawned it. And I don't know, I, it was, I was raised in the church, so I know the Holy Ghost was still with me but was not speaking to me because it was angry. God was angry with what I was doing. But at the same time, uh, I took the microwave and, and, and thank God I didn't sell it. I, it had to be the spirit of God. That, because once you sell it, it's gone. I didn't sell it. I pawned it, which meant I, in the back of my mind, I could take my mother to pick up her items. And I took some of her precious jewelry, jewelry mm. that she had saved. Now, my mama was like six years old around that time. Right. Jewelry that she had saved from the time she was a young lady. And I took that jewelry, went to her jewelry, and got what was the most expensive, and I pawned that as well. Mm. And let me tell you, you're talking about a heartbreaker. When she came back, and I took one of the television sets. So mm. the microwave, the TV, and jewelry was gone. And Lord have mercy, she was heartbroken. Yes. Mm. We can imagine. And, and um, that's why I wanted you to touch on that that you took your mom's stuff. And unfortunately, that comes along with drug addictions. Yeah. That comes along. I mean, because especially <laughs> crack cocaine, because it's such a highly addictive drug. And it gives you, that drug gives you such an intense high. When you hit it, it's like, whoa, you think this is, this is better than grits and sausage, you know? Well, and, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you want to keep that high going and it only lasts for a short period of time, which is exactly. why you want you just want to keep smoking and smoking and smoking. But in order to keep smoking, you got to have resources to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's why drug addicts, you cannot, you want to help them, but they need to go to a treatment center. They need to go somewhere and get help long-term and get help because it's such an addictive drug and you will sell anything of value um, that is around you unless you have um, overcome that and, and been delivered from that. So we, we do have to uh, kind of start wrapping up here, but we want to know what happened. Where did you start receiving your deliverance? When did your life really turn around and you gave up the, these drug usage? In prison. In, in prison. I, I was in a substance abuse program uh, while incarcerated. Even though there were people, drugs is plentiful in jails and prison. I never indulged. I even sought out uh, drugs in prison. It's really too expensive anyway. But in prison, my life began to change. I began to realize where I was. 
mm-hmm. a place where I never, where I, and back of my mind, not for me. You know, I used to talk about people going to prison. I never thought I would become one of those individuals. <clears throat> but my life began to change then. I, I uh, returned to my roots of being raised in the church and started uh, conducting Bible studies, uh, started uh, distributing four or 500 scriptures a day to other inmates, uh, started having church on the rec field, those that are listening that have been to prison, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. uh, and started sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and God began to work on me uh, in so many ways. And we had so many different groups that would come in. And I even uh, uh, was, my first ordination was received in prison mm-hmm. uh, from a uh, Christian program in prison. I went through the courses, did the coursework and was ordained. And uh, I tell you, it was, uh, it was something because I never thought something like that would happen in prison. Well, so many times people end up in prison and they get involved with the gangs and they get involved with uh, certain behavior that they're not accustomed to uh, just for protection. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of groups in prison that will protect you mm-hmm. uh, if you want to be protected, but it comes with a cost, mm-hmm. you know, of attachment. So, I, I, you know, by the grace of God, I, I was able to avoid all of those types of things. And, uh, when I came out, I, I was truly a different person, but the demon was still there. Mm. Uh, and that's why when I got out, I ended up relapsing uh, a few times, but two of those times led me back to jail. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the last time I was in jail was February the 22nd of 2012 for a strong arm robbery that never occurred, never occurred. Mm-hmm. So I was, it was a false arrest. But I had to fight my way six months to a year mm-hmm. just before they dropped the charge. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And God let me know through that experience that that if you continue or return down that road, mm-hmm. you, you're going to end up back in prison. So uh, that's when my life be- began to really, really change outside of prison. And I attended a couple of treatment facilities, long-term treatment facilities. Uh, that added the structural, the structure and the foundation. And I had to make some lifestyle changes. And I did. And you, you got to do the work. You, you have to do the work. And one of the things, Pastor, you just said that I strongly emphasize right now through a healing and recovery ministry, I deal with people that are addicted all the time. Mm-hmm. Phone calls from parents and loved ones and, and husbands and wives. And I tell them the same thing you just said, Pastor. Look, you can love them at a distance. If you know someone has an active addiction, do not allow them in your home. We have the history now. Back then, my mother didn't have the history. We didn't know that these things would happen. We know now that if you allow someone that is in full addiction, even if they end up homeless, and I'll tell anybody, well, they don't have anywhere to go. Okay, yes, that might be true, but not in my house. Because I'm telling you, they don't even realize it's coming. But that drug would take you further than you want to go, keep you lower than you want to, and cost you more than you want to pay. Don't do it. Don't do it. Amen. So, Amen. What are the, so what are the areas in which, we could wrap it up, some of the areas you're giving back. You ch- God turned your mess into a message, and now you're giving back in so many ways. Can you 
share with our listeners some of those areas you're giving back in the community? Well, well, I'm an elder in my church. And by the grace of God, I've been given leadership over the healing and recovery ministry, mm. uh, which we partner with uh, the, the, the actually the leading treatment center here in Northeast Florida, which is uh, a gateway community services. They have people there from all over the world. Uh, and we also uh, give leadership to our outreach at my church, which is Canaan Care. Get an opportunity to go into the lowest income areas where it's behavior that I've been through is still in existence. People on drugs, people on alcohol, uh, single parents trying to raise their children in a decent environment. I, I mean, I get a chance. I get the privilege because mm -hmm. it is a privilege to me to go back and tell somebody, help somebody. Just last week, we were able to, to distribute over 40 clothes to the homeless. We get to preach at the homeless shelters. We get to preach in the jail of all places. I laugh every time I think about it because I remember being told that with my record, 55 arrests and uh, what was it, four years in prison, that, yes. that I would never be able to go into the prison to preach or to teach. And for two years, they denied me. But guess what? I go into the jail every night, and I have a team of people that goes. And incidentally, just last week, I received a call from the Clay County Court. Uh, I had spoke at a, with some ex-offenders in drug court about two weeks ago through a, a, a judge that I'm aware of here in the city that I'm friends with. And there were court reporters and other people that passed the word about the message. And I got a call just last week that they want me to come to another county mm. to speak with drug addicts in drug court on the 17th of this month, two weeks. So <laughs> keep me in prayer. I get to tell my story in front of a judge. And, and look, they don't know this, but guess what? I, that was one of the 53 arrests. I spent time, and I spent two weeks. I got arrested in, a count, in that county, mm -hmm. passing through, and I'm on their books, and they don't even know it. Okay. And I get a chance to okay. tell them. <laughs> well, to God be the glory. We want to thank you, yeah, uh, Elder yeah. Adams, for sharing your amazing story. And I know we still have more that the listeners can can still share from you, but we're grateful for that that you did share. And I know now that the listener has some nuggets that they can take for themselves, share with their loved ones and impact their lives and ways and levels. So thank you listeners for taking the time out and being with us on this beautiful day that the Lord has made. And we're grateful to be in your presence. All right, listeners, stay tuned. We got a lot of things lined up for you as Pastor Sarita have already shared. Our next guest, Ashley Palmer. Yes, she is called the Queen of Relapse. You definitely want to hear her story. So stay tuned. We are all excited about what God has in store. This has been a pleasure to be with you, Elder. Thank you. And we will certainly be lifting you up in prayer as you continue to impact this world globally. God bless yeah. you. Thank so, you yeah. so much. So Elder. Much. Elder Adams, yes, I just piggyback off of Dr. Shipman. This has been awesome. There is yes. so much more juice to your, your story. I'm sorry we all, only have an hour, but you just really blessed all of us. But I want you to know, even though you had 50 arrests, mine was warrants. I knew oh. I had warrants for my arrest. So <laughs> my 
fled. What I did, I was a fugitive. I fled after I was arrested twice. I realized jail was not for me. So I was like, I got to get up out of here. So I was one of those flight risk people. I packed up my kids and I, I moved 1,500 miles away from home. But that's my story. And God took care of every warrant that, every warrant that I had. But you know what? It, we, we do relate with the drugs and, and um, just with the addiction but we also relate of how God was able to oh step God. in and turn our lives around. I love what you said. You now are able to go into those places where you were yeah. locked up and, and now you're teaching there. So yeah. anyways, thank you so much. And to our listeners, if you or a loved one is in need and you need help, please reach out to someone. Don't try to handle this on your own. Um, get a, Join a support group. Also, you can just reach out to Burning Love Outreach and to Dr. Sylvia Shipman. We are here for you. We want to help you. And Dr. Shipman, can you please let our listeners know how to contact you? Absolutely. For all your recovery support, as Pastor uh, Sarita just stated, and other life's concerns, don't know where to start and need that extra support, please visit our website. My website is Dr. That's D-R Sylvia, S-Y-L-V-I-A Shipman, S-H-I-P-M-A-N.com, DrSylviaShipman.com. And you also can contact me for those who don't want to go on the computers. You can contact me by dialing 877-360-1177. You can like Dr. Sylvia Shipman on Instagram, Facebook, and of course, subscribe on LinkedIn and connect with us on Clubhouse. We would love to have you partner with us by giving a donation to help us in the addiction crisis by changing lives with quality care and commitment. Please go to our website, and that is drsylviashipman.com and select donate button. All right. Can, now, I say, can, can I say one more thing? If, yes. if, 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 if anyone is trying to, to reach any addict, I don't care where you are, you could be in the crack house. You could be homeless on the street. You can get my number from, from Dr. Shipman or Pastor Jones. Uh, you can dial me 904-450-0179. Day or night, I will answer the phone. You might not like what the advice that I'm going to give you. <laughs> because it's going to be tough love, but yes. I will answer the phone. and You're welcome to call anytime. Thank Great. you, Elder. Appreciate that. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you, Elder Adams. And, and for speaking engagements where I share how I overcame years of addiction to crack cocaine, having numerous warrants issued for my arrests, please visit our website at burningloveoutreach.org. You can comment on our page. You can submit a prayer request, give a testimony, or even a praise report. And with your help, we can continue to reach those who suffer from drug abuse and addiction. And you are personally invited to partner with us so that we can continue to reach the marginalized um, in our community by giving either a one-time donation or you can become one of our monthly donors. And you can like Burning Love on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram and you can subscribe to us on YouTube and LinkedIn. Remember, don't give in, don't give out, and don't give up. You wake up in the morning, you're not feeling right. Your will is gone, can't put up a fight. Take a ride. Suffering from addiction and pain, don't know if you'll feel joy again. Take a ride.
see the world on fire for Jesus. Early love moment.